Amen, amen. You can grab a seat. Let's thank the worship team for leading us this morning. Just so thankful and stirred up. I mean, you know, I love, love, love the, the, the rhythm of, of being in church and gathering together with God's people. And whether it is the uh, simplicity and the beauty of a song like Exalt Thee or, or the, the energy of what comes from uh, God's people saying, um, because of the holiness of God, I am uh, bowing myself before him and he is so set apart and I am so dependent on him. And I just uh, love what that does to our hearts. And, uh, you know, this series, um, I want you to know, um, we recognize on our team um, those of us who are stepping into the pulpit um, each and every week, we know that this series is, um, is we're, like, we're like walking right into the war that's going on in your heart and in our hearts, right? And, um, and I just want you to know, I was listening to a podcast this week, and they were uh, just reminding of pastors that every week, like I know so distinctly, but I want you to hear it from me, that I know you're walking in carrying some things. You're walking in carrying some things, navigating through hurt, working through conflict, struggling and wrestling in different areas, and I just want you to know how much um, it means to us that, that your commitment is to uh, worship God, to get your mind recalibrated, to get your heart uh, reassessed and right, so that you can uh, press into the next week to be faithful to what God's called us to as disciples. And it's a pleasure and a joy to a pastor this church to lead it, but I just want you to know we recognize that. And, and we come in feeling that weight too. And, uh, and together, um, our prayer and desire is that the attention would turn to Jesus and his word, and we would understand again and remind ourselves of what we have in the gospel and the joy it is to follow Jesus. Amen. Amen. So today, um, we are uh, going after another stronghold, and I'm so thankful for uh, Pastor Jeremy leading us over the last three weeks, and uh, let's just, let's review. Strongholds so far that we've gone after, I am worthless, I'm not good enough, I need their approval, God is not present, my life has no purpose. We have three more weeks left. And um, we're taking some aim because at these strongholds because I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm tired of the enemy and my flesh um, sort of erecting these strongholds in my life and getting victory. Are we tired of it, church? Yeah, we're tired of it. And so um, before we go after another major stronghold this morning, let's just pray together. Uh, God, I'm asking this morning again, uh, afresh, uh, with great dependence on you, that you would... Uh, give us the biblical wisdom and the uh, knowledge from your spirit and the presence of your spirit to again take out another stronghold, to literally destroy it, to demolish it brick by brick. And I pray, God, even if one brick would go down this morning in this stronghold, I pray that we'd rejoice because you're gaining victory. And I pray for even more than that, God, by your grace and in your power. Help me to lead well and point to your scripture and trust it. And Father, would you do the work, not just in the hearts of the people here this morning, but do the work in my heart also that I've been asking you for. We trust you in all this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, so one of the things that you see everywhere in our society is a, um, is a battle for control, right? 
At every level and layer of society, we see it. Companies fight to uh, control what we consume. When they get a market share, it means that I've got more people that consume my thing than that company over there. Politics are a, a constant battle for control. Um, fights for control exist in any organization where there are two fallen, broken human beings. Any organization, there's battles for control. Schools and workplaces and churches and families, all of them find these places and space where we are navigating and battling for control. Like, do you remember some of the absurd things you used to fight over when you were little, like with your siblings? Maybe to bring it a little more close to home. Um, you, know, you know, there's those absurd things we fight for in marriages, and we're like, what are we fighting about? Some of you, that might have been this morning, okay? It might be a little too close to home. But we fight for control, and uh, the scripture is clear that the core stronghold when there's, when there's a fight for control is not between two people, but within people. And James 4 says, makes, it, makes it clear. It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? He poses the question, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And then he, from that point, he illustrates how desires to control can, can lead to anger and murder and coveting. The fight to get what you want to control, that's today's stronghold. I want to be in control. I want to be in control. And if your life's anything like mine, when you hear that stronghold, you just go, mm. because we feel this and we wrestle in this. See, if this stronghold, when this stronghold gets established in your mind and heart, it leads to pain and struggle and defeat. There's actually two really oppressive struggles that come out of this stronghold, I want to be in control. It's anger and anxiety, two very important A's in our life that we don't like the result of, and um, they come out of this stronghold of wanting to be in control. Process with me for a little bit. Anger tries, tries to take control in a variety of ways. It causes you to become irritable because you don't get your way. It engages in arguments to get what you want. And then passive anger is the one that it kind of, sits underneath the surface and it sort of gets stirred up easily and it can lead to sadness and passivity and a negative attitude. If left unchecked, anger can lead to violence to be like, I'll get what I want, I'll exert my control. I must be in control. Anger comes out of that. Anxiety comes out of it. Anxiety comes out of it because you feel out of control, right? Like, because of maybe a traumatic event in your past, now you, you fear the loss of control. And so to compensate for this fear, what you now do is you now try to take control. See this all the time in my life and in yours. Or, or, or what happens is, is you actually give someone else control because you believe that they can protect you from that thing. Or it might just be a general fear of the future because of the reality of brokenness and death that you see all around you. And, and so as I was processing through this, that out of this, this stronghold of I want to be in control comes anger and anxiety, and I thought about my, the, my two favorite books on both of those subjects, on anger and anxiety, and, and I was flipping through them this week, and they all come, both of the books come back to this one primary point. 
address your control problem. Address your control problem. The issue is that we want to be in control. And anyone who's been a true disciple of Jesus and and, and is operating and trying to live within the kingdom of God knows that we don't have control. God does. And our submission under his control is an essential element of discipleship. And so let's see this together. Look at me in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Man, Peter understands the reality of suffering. He's speaking to it throughout his writings in First and Second Peter. And in First Peter 5, 6 and 7, notice what he says there, church. It might be a familiar passage to you, but we're going to unpack it carefully this morning. And bring it to bear on the stronghold that you have in your life and I in mine where we want to be in control. Uh, Verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Here's the big move when confronted with this reality and the reality throughout scripture. Relinquish control by coming under the care and counsel of God. Relinquish control by coming under the care and the counsel of God. Three moves if you want to relinquish control. First, you've got to transfer control to God. You've got to transfer control to God. Peter uses the reference here He says, humble yourselves, humble yourselves. So this idea here is is that humble actually means to be brought low, to be brought low. It is is a move that says, um, I'm going to purposely reduce the emergence and the influence of self. That's what it means here when it says humble yourselves. You, you, you could write there, humble yourself, bold, underline, circle, stars by it, whatever you need to, yourself. There's got to be a, a transfer of control. But, but notice, notice what it's saying here is it's not just like, uh, uh, just humble yourselves, like just, just, just reduce yourself. It, it doesn't stop there. It says humble yourself under. There's a transfer of control. There's not a loss of control, church. There's not a, I'm just, I'm just giving up and I'm not doing anything. No, it's humble yourself under, what does it say right there? Look at it. Under the mighty hand of God. I don't want you to transfer control to anyone or anything. I, I want you to be wise increasingly wise church with where you're handing your authority and and where you're handing your authority off to other authorities i want you to be wise in that and god in the in the top of his resume in bold big font it says mighty think about that for a second like it's the idea that um it it points to god's great strength his force, his intensity. It points to the reality that God is all-powerful. He is mighty. And when you look in Scripture and you see the resume of what God has accomplished, 
It is clear. God has done everything necessary to prove and establish that he deserves and he can handle authority to lead your life because he's mighty. It also says mighty hand of God. The hand of God is a reference um, to the hearer, to hear the hand of God would have been a reference to God's discipline and his deliverance. Some of you want deliverance without discipline. Let's be honest. Have you ever seen a kid, when they know they're about to be disciplined, there's a look on their face like, nope, I don't want the consequences that have come from my actions. And, and, but we, just like little children, we tend to hide sometimes from the discipline of God, but deliverance doesn't come unless you receive the discipline. And you humble yourself by bringing yourself, your life, by faith through what Jesus has accomplished under God's mighty hand, his all-powerful hand that wants to both discipline and deliver you. Remember that throughout this series, one of the common themes has been for um, us to learn how to think about the way that we think, right? And if you want to identify what has authority in your life, you know, to, to, to ask the question, who or what is controlling your thinking, uh, here's a really easy indication. God's created us with a body, a physiological response to what controls us. Have you recognized that? Like if there's an idea or a past or a moment or a memory or a person that is controlling you, you actually have a physiological response to it. Like, like remember in, in those moments, like your heart starts to beat a little bit faster, your blood pressure starts to increase. You might get a little sweaty and your muscles tense and your breath starts to shorten. And, and you, you might be asking, what is driving this physiological response? What, how is that playing out? And you're asking the right question because you're getting close to what's controlling you. Or, or it, it if you want to bring that to a more common uh, cultural language, you could just ask the question, what is triggering you? What is triggering you? Who or what is controlling your thinking? Identify it. Identify it. Here's what I promise you. Is that one of the realities that marks the spirit of God working through the gospel is that when God is controlling and in control and I'm under his mighty hand, I feel peace and joy and contentment. And so we need to understand and process through what is controlling your thinking. Is it your flesh, your raw passions and desires and fears or anxieties? Is it a, a, a person or a group of people who you've given control? Right there, church, is a battle for your soul. That's the war. In these moments, as disciples, you have a better option. You, you don't, we, we, we've got to recognize that what we're doing in those moments is when we identify that we've given control to something other than God, what we've done is we've actually given control to a lesser God. And our move needs to be to repent and to turn and to transfer control by faith back to God. What does it look like to transfer control to God? It means that, that moment by moment, situation by situation, 
choose to humble yourself under God instead of any lesser gods, including yourself. In God's authority, he's given us his spirit, he's given us his word, and he's given us his people to be his agents to guide your life. Within uh, Christ-centered families, God gives spouses and parents to be his representatives. Within a Christ-centered churches, God has given us elders and pastors and shepherds and leaders and teachers to represent him. I love the way in the church that I can receive the same exact sort of counsel that I can give in different seasons and in different situations. I love that in the church. It's such a blessing and a provision. So, 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 so let, me just, let me just speak to something, though, because there's a few pastoral warnings that I want to give you when it comes to transferring control to God. First, seek balanced counsel. Seek balanced counsel. Three things, three S's to help you remember them. There's the spirit, the scriptures, and spiritual counsel. The spirit, scriptures, and spiritual counsel. God gave us all three. When you're facing important decisions, wait on God until all three align and affirm the direction. Man, if I was to look back over my life, Every key transition, every weighty, my life is about to change decision, I waited on God until those three aligned. My decision to marry Amy. I could have made that on my own, but I didn't. I waited until all three of those aligned, and I had uh, a clarity on that. The decision to move my family from Illinois to Michigan to plant this church, I waited for all three to align. I think about in financial stewardship, the fact that any decision of any sort of substantive financial decision, even my wife and I are like, all three have to align. All three. If any person counseling your life inside or outside the church is telling you to move forward without consulting all three, do not listen to them. And, and the other thing I would say too is, um, can we also be careful about blind spots that exist within our marriages and within our families. Okay, I see this a lot in the church. If you want to find yourself rightly in within a local church, come under the counsel of the local church. There is safety there, church. My wife and I, in big decisions, we're not like, we got this figured out. We're like, no, 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 we're going to get some people around us that balance it, some people that have some different perspectives, right, so that there's balanced counsel. Balance protects. Balance protects. Access what God's given you. Then this, don't trust something or someone just because it says it's Christian. Okay? It's like, don't, don't, when you go to the store, don't trust the like, it's on sale sign. Okay? I know, maybe some of you don't know this, but the, sometimes, sometimes, I know, I know, I know. So shocked. Um, sometimes they mark it up and then discount it. Okay? I hope that's not a big secret to you. So don't trust uh, just because a Christian label has been slapped on it. Not, 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 not counselors, not books, not websites. Here's, a key que- here's two key questions. Are they leading you to and from God's word? You give me any Christian book, I'll, I'll, I'll open it in about three seconds, and I'll just, here's what I'm looking for. Is it full of scripture? Is it full of scripture? Or is it full of someone's ideas or revelation or something else? 
Like, I trust this revelation. And so I want to see stuff saturated with that. Are, are they leading you to God's word? And then are they leading you from God's word? And then, second, are they leading you to the gospel? Are they leading you to the gospel? Are they leading you to a, a life-giving, a world-altering relationship with Jesus? Church, I am not encouraged I am not encouraged increasingly less and less and less by like, man, I, I, like, I like the music at Christ Church or, or I like the messages. Are, are, we are encouraged when people are led to Jesus. Like, I, I, I'm just trying to use my gifts and that's been equipped and given by the Spirit of God and I want you to use them in the midst of our church so that we can lead people to Jesus. It's not about a, a man or a name or any of that. It's, it's about the reality of leading people to the gospel. And so I just don't trust something or someone just because it says it's Christian. Are they leading you to and from God's word? Are they leading you to the gospel? Are they leading you to the care and counsel of God? Transfer control to God. Take down the I must be in control stronghold. Relinquish control by coming under the care and counsel of God. That's the first point. Second one is this. Second move, if you want to relinquish control, trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. Notice what the passage says there, church. So that at the proper time, he may exalt you. At the proper time. Who determines the proper time? Who determines it? Okay, okay, we will give you one more try. Trust me, you need this. You need this, I need this. Who determines the proper time, church? God does. Like, like that at proper time, like that reference, I don't know what you need to do. Um, don't cut it out of your Bible, you might need it later. But you might wanna get those words and, and you might wanna like put them on, on, on sticky notes all over your house. You might, want to, um, you might wanna leave it as a reminder on your phone. You might wanna highlight it, bold it, whatever. You might wanna get a tattoo at the proper time so you can remember anytime you need to. Okay? People might think that's weird, but you get a chance to explain to them. I'm waiting on some things. And what you need to say over every aspect of your life that feels heavy is, God, I trust your timing. Trust your timing. God has the right and authority if you are saying that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ to determine the timing of when he's going to exalt you. Okay, okay, so... I got to stop for a second because that exalt word um, can get a little confusing. Because we just sang that song, I exalt thee. And you're like, wait, wait, exalt is me worshiping God. Wait, so is this the moment at some point when God's going to worship me? Wrong understanding of the word. If you're believing that, you're going to be disappointed. Okay, I promise you. The word here is means to lift a person up. See, if you've placed your life under the mighty hand of God, that means that in God's proper timing, he is going to, because you've come under his hand, he's going to take your hand and he's going to lift you up. And if you wait on him, he'll lift you up in any situation, any circumstance, any decision. Why? Because he's mighty, church. Because he loves you. And because he is always faithful and he is perfectly just and wise and it will be at the 
proper time. Paul wrote this letter to disciples that were suffering through brutal persecution. This wasn't some like commanding word. This was a word of compassion and love to God's people. He was encouraging them, please, 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 in the midst of your suffering, stay under, stay under, stay under the mighty hand of God. Wait for the proper time and he will lift you up. Exaltation will come, but you don't get to determine the timing. And, and, and the great hope of the gospel church is that there will be a moment, maybe not in this life, but in the next there will be an exaltation. You will be lifted up. And in some situations, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know God's wisdom and I don't understand all of it. And I live in the mystery of it just like you live in the mystery of it. And sometimes God exalts fully in this life and then even more full than we even imagined in the next. But most of the time, you know what happens? There's some exaltation in this life which just feeds our hope for the full exaltation in the next. But in all these things, like our hope rests upon the fact that it will come completely in eternity. But you do not know the time, but we're supposed to trust God's timing. And what we know here is that it will be proper. It will be right and good. Trust God's timing. This is where we struggle, in the timing. The single person starts with a, a right desire to marry a strong believer until they face disappointment after disappointment and years pass and more and more weddings attended and friends are having children and a war for control begins over the timing. Temptation to compromise, to take control back from God. A person suffering from chronic pain feels the impact of their body sort of breaking down and pain increases. There's restrictions at every turn. And do they humble themselves under the mighty hand of God or do they grow bitter and distant from God and his word and his people? Do they depend on God for endurance or do they take matters into their own hands? Or how about the common situation that I've got to be honest I struggle with? where you want God's best, where you see something in someone's life and you just want to get that situation to the finish line. Can I get an amen from my parents in the room? And you see it and you're like, I know it could get to here and you desire to see the change but you rush too fast, you press too hard, you speak too quickly and instead of helping you hurt and what you need to understand in that is that what you have not done is you have not humbly brought yourself before God and you try to rush the timing like I sometimes rush the timing instead of trusting God's proper time proper time and it, and it creates this frustration and anxiety that's supposed to be an indication that something's not right. How quickly, how quickly we forget that the first defining characteristic of love in 1 Corinthians 13, come on, some people who've read it recently, what is it? What word? Patient. It's patient. It's patient. Trust God's timing. 
So often sinful anger or anxiety comes from wanting to be in control of the timing. You're like, you're like, you're like this. You're like, God, God, please uh, step aside. I've got this figured out. I got the timing down. I know when this is supposed to happen. And you, you kind of take the, the sovereignty controller away from God. And you're like, I got it. Like, have you ever seen a little kid, like, if you've been playing a video game and, and a little kid comes who's never played a video game before and they grab the controller, you know what they do, right? They just mash the buttons. Like, it's chaos on the screen. They will not succeed, okay? And that's not even really the point. They actually believe that they're in control. I've seen my kids watch a game and I'm like, you're, you're controlling with your hands and they, and they think they're controlling. And, and, but, but, but a kid, when they get the controller, they just mash the buttons. That's exactly what you and I do when we try to take control. God's just like, good luck. Even more than that, this passage, before this verse, it says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He's like, you're not getting anywhere if you want to take control of the sovereignty. God exalts you and moves when you realize that you can't do it anymore. I mean, look, it's, it's even, even look at what comes if you don't get this. Look in verse eight, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So, so listen, church, if we, don't, if we don't get to this place where we humble ourselves, some have said, either humble, your, humble yourself or God will humble you. <laughs> that is absolutely true. And this, this reality in 1 Peter is painting the picture that if we don't humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we expose ourselves to the enemy. And anyone who has tried to wrestle control in situations in their life know that they leave themselves exposed to the enemy. And some of you have bite marks like I do in places where you've pushed against and have failed to trust God's timing. You will never, write this down, you will never be disappointed if you wait on God and with God. Church, you will never be disappointed in the trusting of God's timing. You will never be disappointed if you wait on God and with God. Stay under. Stay under. And take every thought captive to obey Christ and trust God's timing. We are going to take this stronghold down, but to relinquish the control and to bring our life under the care and counsel of God, we have to trust God's timing. And some of the most tragic mistakes that I've made in my life and I've seen other people make is because they're trying to rush something as opposed to settling in and letting God do what he needs to do. And then that leads us to this last point. We have to throw each burden on God. Because... I, I don't know about you, but like when I think about this reality and the, and the strength of my flesh and the temptation to take control, like how? How do you endure in this? With the way that our minds think and the circumstances that play out in our lives that that we see happening all around us or has happened to us? How? How do we endure? Look, 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 it's right here in the Word, church. It's right here for us. It's almost as if the Spirit of God was anticipating our questions. 
It says casting, verse 7, all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Man, we, we need this so desperately. Let these words shepherd your heart. Let them meet you right in the, the thing that you're carrying that's heavy and the burden that weighs on your soul. To endure with joy and peace and wholeness, you have to first see his care for you and then cast your anxieties on him. While you wait for him to lift you up, throw each and every burden on God. Now, I use the word throw in this point really purposefully because the word cast could get confused with something very common in a West Michigan culture is this idea of fishing. Now, when you see me put this fishing pole together, you will know that I am not the guy who fishes in my family. This is my son's fishing pole. And this idea of cast is, I, I want to make sure we're not confused by that. They're, the hook's not on it, front row, okay? So just, I promise, we check that. Trust me, do not trust me with the hook on the end of this. And, um, and so the idea of cast suggests this, if we're thinking about fishing. What's the problem with that? What do you do after you cast something? You reel it back in. You want to know what is the reality in regards to our anxiety and anger over burdens in our life? Is that too often what we do is we cast based on our understanding of cast as a fishing picture. And so what we do with our anxiety is we uh, cast it out and then we're like, do-do-do. <laughs> I've put it on the Lord. I've cast it on God, but you're saying that, but the reality is, is it just continues to move back to your hands. And so I was like, this doesn't work. So I had to be succinct in that. That's why I said, hey, throw each burden on God, because the truth of what this word means, cast, in the Bible, is not a reference to casting something that you reel back, but it's to take the burden... And to say, this is not mine to carry. It's not mine to carry. He cares for me. And so cast is to say, I'm throwing it onto the Lord. I don't want anything to do with that. Each and every burden in my life, I'm casting that burden onto God. I am taking it in my hand. I'm examining that burden. I'm not like, I can take care of this. I'm not trying to in my own effort depending on myself or anyone else. I'm like, this burden does not belong in my hands. And each and every one, I will not just take hold of it and rightly offer it to God, but I will cast that burden away from me. Complete and total separation. I'm not reeling that thing back. Not one second. And each and every time I find something back in my hands, I'm going to roll it up and I'm going to cast it. I'm going I'm to throw each burden on God. Now look at what the passage says. It says all your anxieties. Cast them all. But the word that I like is your. Each person's burdens are different. Don't look to the left or the right. Don't look forward or backwards. Don't be ashamed of your burdens. Don't try to hide them. Don't, don't think that yours should be lighter because they are for someone else. 
Just throw each burden on God because he cares for you. All of them. If you're like, I got a lot. God will give you the strength to cast everyone to throw each burden on God. Each trial, each circumstance, each relationship, each burden, Christ is calling to you through this scripture through the work of the Spirit of God, through His Word. He's saying, in faith, by God's grace, throw each burden on me. Like, like, these are the burdens that, that cause us anger and anxiety. Uh, the, the, these are, the, these are the, the places where Jesus is, is wanting to intersect your life and literally He wants to cause your arm to draw back and by faith aim at Jesus and release control. You'll feel it lift from you. Throw each burden on God. That, that's why Jesus says, what, what does he tell us? He tells us, he says, um, each day has enough worries. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. So if you've got a big pile of burdens, the first thing Jesus says is he's like, listen, are the burdens for tomorrow? You're like, check, check, check. You're like, okay, those are for tomorrow. I'm going to take the burdens for today and each and every one that comes my way, I'm going to take it and I'm going to throw it onto God each and every moment, each and every time in the day because the result of not doing that leads me to anger and anxiety. And, and here's the motive for doing it. He cares for you. He's concerned. Let, let that truth of the gospel just fall on your heart. Because, if, because, because listen, listen, here's the logic, here's the gospel logic that helps unlock our thinking. If, if he is concerned, if he cares, what do you and I have to worry about? Immediately we understand that it's not in a condemning way. It's not in a, oh, 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 so much shame because of your anger or anxiety. It, it actually um, is a loving, compassionate plea from a father to his child. Like, you don't have to carry that anymore. I care about your anxieties. And I want to meet you in it. And why would you wrestle control from God when he promises that? Just come to him. His promises aren't just that it'll happen in proper timing that he'll exalt you. His promises extend to say that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. When, when, when we throw each burden on God. Think about this. I put it up on the screen so you could see this. Burdens carry less weight only when you're walking close enough and consistently enough with Christ to throw them on him coming under his mighty hand of providence. That, that, that's it. Burdens carry less weight. They carry less weight. And you know what I love? I love that in the body of Christ, sometimes when I face a burden and it feels so heavy, I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. And there are times that people in this room have come alongside me and I'm like, I can't throw it. It's too heavy. And somebody comes and grabs it with me. And we learn to, as the Bible says, carry one another's burdens. 
but we're not carrying them, so we have to endure under the weight of them. We're carrying them because together we're going to take this thing and we're going to be like one, two, three, and we're going to fling that onto God together. That's the glory and the beauty of the body of Christ. Just keep throwing. Just keep throwing, church. It's, it, it's what it means to walk by faith and walk by the Spirit of God. Listen, you lose control, yes, but you win the presence, the power, and the promise of God. Like, I'll lose control all day if that's what I win. You lose control, but you win the presence, power, and promise of God. Throw each burden on God. Relinquish control by coming under the care and counsel of God. Now listen, as I close, I want you to know that I am distinctly aware, not only in my own life, but in your life, the culture in which we live, in which we've been raised, and in which we exist. And, and please notice, church, that this message is flowing against the current of our culture. Be aware of it. Our culture encourages and stirs up this stronghold constantly. In our American culture, we pride ourselves on being able to control our destiny, define our future, be whoever we want, achieve whatever we want. And the church loves to look at the world and be like, oh man, how can they do that? But we do it too. Let's just be honest. And let's acknowledge the way that we've been trained and taught and encouraged to fight for control. It's a major stronghold. And the disciple of Jesus Christ knows that any semblance of control is an illusion. We are not in control. And your anxiety and anger and my anxiety and anger just um, shine a light on the fact that trying to be in control is a very wearying way to live. And we're confronted with it again and again. And into this, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, he beckons you. He encourages you. He calls you to come out of the kingdom of this world and come into his kingdom. Come and transfer control to God. Trust his timing. Throw each burden on God. Relinquish control by coming under the care and counsel of God. And so wherever you're at right now, let's just stand. I want us just to stand up and prepare to sing this last song. And what I want you to do right now is I want you just to uh, clench your fists in front of you like this. Because here's what I know. I know that in your life and in my life that there are some things that we are holding on to. Some areas where we want to grab control. We're tempted to control it. We're currently trying to control it. It could be a million things. I'm confident in the fact that God knows and in so many ways we know. And right now Jesus is in this room. His spirit is working where God's people gather and where the word is preached. And let's remember in this moment the truth of this passage we just read. He cares for you. And because of his care for you, his love for you, as an act of faith, as we begin to sing this song, 
I want you just to begin to release that thing to God. And, and a symbol can just, you just be going, my, my hands are open, God. I'm, 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 I'm releasing that to you. Some of you might need to make a throwing motion because you've got to get it far away, okay? It'll be so cool in this end of the service. You can throw as much as you want to. If you do that out of this, outside of the service, people might think it's a little weird. But that's okay. But, but listen, what we're doing is we're saying, I'm going to be obedient to the scriptures. The stronghold's coming down. Brick by brick, burden by burden. I believe and have faith in God and in his spirit to lead you to a place where you can release control, where this stronghold can come down. Let's pray. God, I, I see the hands clenched and I know that um, in so many ways this represents the things that our hearts, our flesh, the enemy has tempted us again and again to take hold of. Maybe, God, we're clenching some things in our life because of some hurt in our past. Father, give us the faith the confidence in you that you will in proper time exalt us. You will lift us up. And we don't know the answer to when that's going to be. But you've given us sufficient instruction in your word. You've given us the body of Christ to surround us, to, to, to share the burdens with one another. So, Father, let us by faith release that to you. For some, God, I know it's going to come in tears. For some, God, you're going to wrestle us to the ground, I believe, to bring this stronghold down in our lives. Thank you for your discipline and thank you for your deliverance. Bring it in power in my life and in the life of our church so that we might see the stronghold of wanting to be in control fall and it might be replaced by a glorious, glorious picture of God's people yielding control to him. Bring it down, God, for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.